All right. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Caden Cleveland here with the Oklahoma Senate, and you're joining us for another episode of OK Senate on Deck. Of course, we're just like every week, we're joined with our president pro tem, Senator Greg Treat. Senator, thank you so much for being here again this week to talk to, about some legislation, give us all an update on what's happening here at the Capitol. Um, special guest this week, we have Senator Jason Smalley. Senator, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Senator, uh, just kind of uh, to dive right in into the main topic that we'll be discussing today has been kind of a, a really hot topic lately. And um, Senator Treat, you can kind of speak to why we wanted to bring in Senator Smalley to talk about this topic, but it's it's on the topic of pensions and uh, uh, COLA's cost of living adjustments. So, Senator Treat, I'll kind of turn it over to you, and uh, you can kind of uh, run with that topic and, and, and explain to us where we're going to go from here. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, COLAs is a big issue, cost of living adjustments. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Oklahoma House of Representatives passed a COLA of 4% and sent it to the Senate, and that's in committee right now. And so I put together a working group, uh, had Senator Smalley chair that working group. Yep. Uh, based on his years of experience and the, uh, heading the Pensions and Retirement Committee and his, his passion to get things right. So we, we appointed people that were, I think, represented the whole gamut within our caucus of uh, yes, a cola now. Um, to never a cola. To hey, let's get it right and let's let's right. follow the existing pathway to get there. So, it, it, I think it ran the whole gamut. Uh, you've you've had your round of meetings, and I'd like for people to, to know since you haven't been on on deck. I think you've done some of the other stuff, but tell us about your district a little bit. Tell us about your your experience on pensions uh, committee. You know a lot more about the details of how we got uh, solvent again than many members do. Mm -hmm. And I think we could have this time to kind of be a little educational. When I took office, teacher pensions were funded at 47%. Now they're, what are they now? 72, 72 74, mm -hmm. yeah. between there. And so we, we've invested a lot of money, a lot of uh, uh, time and effort to get to that point. I'd just like you to kind of share a little bit of the historical context, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into a deeper conversation. Yeah, appreciate it, Protem. Uh, like the Protem said, you know, uh, Senate District at 28, which is Lincoln, Seminole, Pottawatomie counties. But my experience with the Pension Commission and the Pension Committee in retirement really came from when I left the House of Representatives, came over to the Senate. We had some restructuring at that time, and uh, the Protem at, at the time, Senator Beeman, um, asked me to serve. So it was really my first chairmanship and first real responsibility. I had no no, uh, interest whatsoever other than being told hey this is what you're going to do so it was really <laughs> Bateman did that to yeah me. It, it, <laughs> it's and, and I have no experience uh, really in the private sector uh, about it so you know when you want to try to be detail oriented you want to get things right you dive in and you try to understand a lot of stuff so uh, one of the major um, issues with pensions um, the last couple of years has been the unfunded liability I mean how much of the state's responsibility and how much do we take it uh, and how much do we put in. Um, you know, years ago, our predecessors, regardless of affiliation, um, you know, really gave colas out every two years, uh, some in political patronage, but a lot of it was due to the detriment of the system by paying for it out of that pension system. Right. And it just created a huge unfunded liability all across the board. Uh, there began a series of borrowing money from some systems to start up other systems without putting it back. And a few times it was put back with interest. So I want to give credit where yeah. credit's due. But you're right, Ms. Protem, we've uh, went from 46% all the way up to about 74. A lot of that's been 
due to good fiscal Republican policy with OPLA, the, the uh, Pension Liability um, um, Act, and with that being said, another was a commitment by by Republicans to put in three hundred million dollars uh, every single year of off the top money into right. teacher retirement, and so that's all. That's been uh, an understanding of, of not only just myself, but members that came before us and, and folks that'll come after us. So. Well, years of mismanagement, regardless of party affiliation, uh, led us down a very dangerous path. That the underfunded liability. Number one, it jeopardizes the ability of someone who's worked their whole life as a teacher, a public employee, uh, a firefighter, a police officer in the justice system. Uh, we don't know if they're really going to have that retirement that we're promised if it goes insolvent. But furthermore, it impacts our bond rating. Uh, and, and when the state borrows money or municipality borrows money or school district borrows money, they have to borrow at a high, much higher interest rate, much like a credit score for right. an individual our credit score was going down because of that Absolutely. pension liability. And the work of you and many others, uh, uh, your leadership on it has helped us get to this point. But we're, we're, we're now in a good position. So people are, we're in a much better position, yes, actually, right. is the language. We're much better positioned. So that the the tendency is to say, hey, we'll never get back into that again. But we, we can't be naive to think that we could get us in that position as well. I think you hinted on something there, Pro Tim, where um, one of the main questions going on right now is that uh, people know, hey, we've saved up and these these um, retirement funds have uh, more money than they used to have. Therefore, we can afford to do cost of living, living adjustments. But uh, as Pro Tim Shree, as you mentioned there, there's so many more variables that go into that equation than just is there enough money to pay for this? Because you mentioned the bond rating and just several other factors that, that go into that before uh, this decision can be made. It's good you mentioned the OPLAW uh, rules, that those those standards were, were put in place to make sure that those variables aren't overlooked. Is that kind of correct? The Absolutely. I mean, it was put in place uh, uh, to specifically stop the legislature from pulling money out of the fund and basically being able to pay for it out of that, which would ultimately drop the percentage of the funded liability right. and, and create a, a spiral thing down system. The Oklahoma log really just uh, blocked us. Um, the way that it was written and still as is, is you have to hear a bill the first session. Uh, you have to send that to an actuary, have that analysis done, and then it comes back. And if it's a positive analysis, you can enact and vote on the legislation in the second year of the session. So let's completely understand that why OPLA uh, will it still exist, if it always is in its current form, uh, they'll never be able to be a COLA given. So I think you have to look at redefining a little bit of that COLA, as the pro tip said. I mean, we, we have gone leaps and bounds and strides on creating a better uh, solvent system. Now, that's up for debate on, on what number you right. agree or disagree on. Yeah, 80% gets thrown out, 90% yeah. gets thrown out. Some people say no, not until the 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So we don't really have that number defined gotcha. in Oklahoma. The national uh, standard is somewhat at 80%, but you know, 80% where I come from still a B, and you probably got that grade <laughs> rounded up from a C. So is that a positive or not, and how much do you pull out? And when you do pull out so much, at what percentage, it could drop you at right. a certain rate. So I think we have to look at it and address it now. But again, we have to give credit to uh, our predecessors, uh, Randy McDaniel and, and uh, Mike Maisie and folks like that, that really put those uh, emphasis in place. They were good fiscal Republican policies. But I think we have an opportunity to perform Oklahoma as a good fiscal Republican policy to still give 
uh, those that have served uh, a cola every right. few years, but do it in a manner in which we understand what it does to the system and we don't fall back into that track. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, that was my first session out here when we did that, and it was a, a painful experience mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, when you're messing with someone's uh, perceived ability to get a cola down the road, we weren't the most popular uh, people in the building, and I was brand new, so I was learning under Maisie and McDaniel of how do pensions work, uh, how do other states do it, how did we get into this situation. We had to take some really, really tough votes, uh, extremely tough votes, but it has paid dividends into those, literal dividends into those funds, right. and and we, we've got to uh, make sure that we respect those people who've been through the system, try to help, but 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 also be responsible with taxpayers' money. The $300 million that we kind of glossed over earlier that mm -hmm. Senator Smalley talked about, that's not an insignificant, insignificant number at all. That's money that could be going into common education for, you know, books and classroom funding or teacher pay or could go to, you know, do a new trooper academy. It's money that we're having to spend now because of mismanagement in years past, hmm. that is a very significant amount of money. And I think that $300 million, isn't that just the teacher uh, mm -hmm. retirement? That is, you hit on a good point. I mean, again, all six systems are funded differently. So that's where I don't think you can actually just uh, address the issue of COLA and huh. combine that to one Because um, they're so different? Yeah, they're so different because hmm. firefighters, they're paid 46% of the insurance premium tax goes to firefighters, the other 14% of that goes to police, the rest of it goes to the GR. So we could adjust that. Again, $300 million uh, off the top uh, from uh, teacher retirement, from the, all of our uh, apportionments go into teacher retirement. Uh, you have this year another big topic, judges, which are 100 and some percent, about 110 percent fully funded at their pension. We're set to pay 20% of that on our cost, but it's automatically going to go up to 22%. So a lot of members are saying, well, why why do we have a, a pension system on that side that's above 100%, but we're put, uh, about to address right. to put more in, but then yet again, we have these unfunded ones, or at least lower numbers, such as firefighters and teachers, and why aren't we adjusting that or offset? Can we go from 46 or I should say it was 36% to, you know, 40%. Uh, that, that might be a legitimate number on moving the needle on that insurance premium. But you would take that out of the GR, then right. you would apply that. And again, some folks are, you know, against the $300 million to go to the, the teacher retirement. Some right. want to see it there. So, again, it's a complex issue because it's six separate systems, all funded differently. And the requirements for those retirees to access it are all different yeah. as well. Well, well, and real quick on the difference, I mean, like firefighters and, and police officers in 1985, Congress passed a law saying municipalities didn't have to uh, participate uh, in Social Security uh, withdrawals on someone's paycheck. Mm -hmm. So some of these systems are, are they're just to underscore how unique they are. It's something before I got in the legislature, I did not realize that many firefighters and police officers are not part of that <laughs> the social security system wow. that the rest of us have. Well, I think it's a great point, Pro Tim, because when you look at 
fire and police opting out of Social Security, they, they don't receive that COLA from the national level when, it, when Social Security goes up or right. they adjust it. So some here in the legislature have even commented about, okay, do we only give COLAs to fire and police because they opt out? Right. And are the other... Uh, so, you know, members of and those pensions are they deserving of a cola, or does that move to wow. a 401k to find benefits to find contribution conversation? So again, it complexes the issue because just again, those individuals such as fire and police. I mean, they're not getting Social Security as well. So uh, some folks would say that's right. Some would say it's wrong. It's just, right. a, again, more complexities in the conversation. Well, it sounds to me just like from this brief conversation that uh, I think, again, uh, just as you mentioned, this is a highly complex conversation uh, just to understand and grasp the, the whole system because there are six different systems going on that are so diverse and so unique, each one. Um, so it's, it's very, very difficult to have a uh, very simplified conversation about it but for somebody at home who is listening to this and they just want a, a brief understanding of like uh, kind of a, a 300,000 foot view over the pension systems and what's going on can you just kind of give us a, a quick uh, summary version of, of what what What's going on exactly? Did you and say 300,000 foot? 30,000? 30, I don't understand the saying. Yeah, yeah I, I use 3,000, 30,000, and 300. Yeah. Yeah. It just keeps getting higher. So maybe the 3 million foot view, if, you, if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. uh, over the whole conversation, uh, Senator, I'll kind of turn it over to you for that. Yeah, I think that we are we have obviously a bill out there that's giving, you know, a 4% across the board, right. uh, depending on no, no matter what system is. And I think we have to respectfully look at that. What does it do to each uh, system? I think you're going to have to break up the the systems uh, and and run each individual uh, system because I think you have to understand the impact of gotcha. that. Gotcha. So members are going to be forced to look at each individual system, I believe, when we all when, when it's all said and done. Uh, one of the issues that we have now is do, do we just pass something and and do that and then reform it? Um, I do think that we'll end up reforming it at, at, over a period of time. Yeah. Um, is that done through an interim study? Is that done next year? Is that done this year? We have to have those conversations. But obviously that. Bill there is a hot topic because people, you know, they want, they would love to have that adjustment. We understand the gasoline, milk, everything out there, the buying power, the dollar has gone down for some of those retirees, right. and we want to be able to to do something. Um, again, I still state, and I want to, I, I always want to give credit due. Good fiscal Republican policy got us here to where we now can have a conversation on establishing or redefining that That's policy. Good. To, to move forward to right. rewarding those retirees. So I think this legislature is tasked with a daunting task to do so, but it's still in the name of good fiscal Republican policy that we're able to address pension systems that are moving in the right direction. That's good. Okay, now I'm changing the subject, Son. Yes, I'm please. gonna play host for a second. No, you're great, go uh, ahead. So the, uh, we filmed this before, shocking, I know. <laughs> uh, but this is Friday, this will air Monday. This week we did some uh, historic in the Senate, and Senator Small was part of it, in that uh, we, we revamped our executive nomination confirmation yes, process. Yes, absolutely. And Mr. Eric Stevenson, who uh, is the governor's nominee for the OU Board of Regents, which we're both alumni of OU, <laughs> I'm wearing this orange tie for Baker Mayfield, not for uh, any, any other school. It's, it's a state. Cleveland Browns orange, yeah, not, not an OSU orange. I need a, a true Cleveland Browns orange. <laughs> This is as close as I have. And, uh, but Mr. Stevenson, uh, there were some concerns early on when, when Governor Stitt nominated him. He's from Ohio, uh, and, and there many members had questions. So I told uh, Eric Stevenson, I said, I'm really sorry. We're revamping the confirmation process, and you're the first one to go through it. 
but he performed uh, uh, beautifully through it. Performs the wrong word. He's an excellent pick. Yeah. Who uh, I had about a forty-five minute phone conversation with him, and and walked away from that phone conversation convinced that he was the right guy. Right. Senator Smalley had some questions. I texted uh, Eric his cell phone, and I think he called him mm-hmm. that day. Many members did that, but it's a new way we're going to do confirmations out here. And we had that meeting, I think 35 minutes of questioning. But just give us your perspective on that, because you talked up in committee, you debated for him and talked about the process. Give us your perspective on that. Well, I take the confirmation serious, extremely serious. You know that, Mr. Pro Tem, I've, I've challenged a few in the past, won and lost. But I, I think it's uh, it's our due diligence uh, to vet these individuals on what they're going to do. Right. I do take the OU Regent one very personal. I mean, obviously, that's my alma mater, my love for the school. And I just sent them, you know, uh, Joe Castiglione, my check for my donation for my seats. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, they, my money does go down there. And my, and my kid wears uh, number six, uh, and we got a Cleveland Browns banner over in my office the day that he was drafted. Man, so. I've been a Cleveland Browns fan for at least 12 months. <laughs> the day he was drafted, we, we were ordering everything. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, Cleveland Browns became the number one NFL team in Oklahoma. It was. Yeah. But I, I have a lot of love for that university. I wouldn't be where I am today without it, and that's why I love to donate my yeah. time, my money, and my energy down there. But I thought the process went extremely well. I was very delighted to see that we had members all across the spectrum ask many different questions. We've had a lot of issues down at OU from uh, the president issues to racial diversity to right. finances, uh, you name it, it's happened over the last you know 12 to 18 months. And I think it's great to get somebody from an outside perspective. I won, I was a, one of the individuals that, that had some concerns with him living in Ohio. But after Eric called me and we discussed it over the phone, I really walked away from that, changing my way of thinking on, hey, how can we have somebody outside of Oklahoma still be a champion for right. Oklahoma and other states? Right. And so obviously with him being in Columbus, Ohio, there, though, you know, Ohio. Born raised in Wagner. Yeah, born raised in Wagner. We have to always yeah. recognize that. But I think that's a great opportunity with him having his, you know, uh, other college experience and, and, and traveling around the nation to yeah. be able to be a champion for Oklahoma abroad. And, and again, we're moving in the new age. We're obviously got some interesting technology here. Technology's moving in a direction where if Mr. Stevenson didn't have or couldn't make it back, he would still be able to communicate his thoughts, processes and understand what's going on on campus. So I think from a national level, he's going to be able to address uh, some culture issues all across the United States and address that and bring back some solutions to OU. Well, and I think it's awesome because, I mean, you wouldn't want the whole board to be people that live out of state. Mm -hmm. He's got a passion for OU and for Oklahoma. His wife is from Oklahoma City. He's from Wagner. They come back uh, oftentimes already to visit family. And he was already um, a voluntary member of the the Price School of Business overseeing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But having an alumni from an Oklahoma university, the University of Oklahoma, uh, (laughs) that has been successful, that has risen – to the upper echelons of his industry, to be the vice president of nationwide uh, yeah. finance insurance. That's a really high mark, not only for the University of Oklahoma, but for Oklahoma to say, look, this person was born here, raised here, educated here, and he is extremely successful. Yeah. And he has seen the world, he has seen the nation, and he can bring back best ideas, best practices from other other places. I think it is a huge asset to the University of Oklahoma and to the state of Oklahoma to have someone that, that travels all 50 states 
to bring back ideas, to, to bring leadership styles that he's learned through his business practices. Yes. That's all I'm excited about. That's awesome. Well, one thing I thought that Eric said that really won me over was uh, when your governor calls and and, get, and asks you to be involved, donate your time, and come back to Oklahoma and give back to, to a school that's given so much to you, why wouldn't you? Hmm. And to me, I think that uh, as I think good stewards and, and we're trying to be men of service and and, and serve our state uh, in, a, in a different way than most do. I think that's a great opportunity for him to donate his time and yes. experience and give back. And to me, that was just a very uh, heartwarming comment for him to say, you know, why wouldn't you? And, and he came in the day before. He yeah. met with, oh, yes, absolutely. He met with members of the Republican caucus. He met with the Democrat caucus. He met with me. He met with the minority leader. He met with the Legislative Black Caucus. I mean, he was not afraid to talk to anyone about any concerns they had. And, and I think he set the standard for how these confirmation hearings should go right here forward. Couldn't agree more. If you're not paying attention out there, the legislature is making huge adjustments, I think, to we talk about government accountability, these exact non-process, just things that can be overlooked but are actually huge, uh, huge adjustments, huge changes that will benefit our state for, I think, the next And the committee vote was 13-0, much like our, our season when we won the last national championship. <laughs> and uh, today, what is today april, april 4th? 4th yes april 4th mark my words uh, I, I have said this i think every year <laughs> since 1983 i think we will win another national championship at ou right and we will have the next heisman trophy winner i just don't know who the heisman trophy winner is at this point but i do know we'll have another banner there's a very uh, good chance we could have three heisman trophy winners back to back to back absolutely not yeah. a very good chance it, it's it's going down i'm sorry yeah, yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> it's happening <laughs> it's yeah. been stated right here i'm yeah. sorry yeah but we but, but because of that program i mean regardless of being an ou fan or, or anywhere else that program has has really brought oklahoma to the forefront um and i think again partnering with new president gallagher and, and eric being on the the, the new regents a, a great opportunity to promote oklahoma both nationally right. and in our state so regardless of you know what school you go to so you got to be proud uh, of those guys for, for bringing in and, and redefining the culture down there. Well, guys, uh, the bell's ringing out on the Senate floor. Uh, let you all get out there. But Senator Smalley, thank you so much thank for you. joining us this week. And this has been such a, a huge topic of, of pension reform and, and the latest talk of COLAs. Thank you for just taking the time to explain that to us and walk us through the, the historical context of that because it really helps us to really grasp and get a hold of the whole topic. So thank you for joining us thank this you. week. Absolutely. Pro team, do you have anything before? Yeah. Hey, I received an email from a, a person who was listening to us about a uh, pro tem appointment. That excited me. I want more. Yes. <laughs> give, give me more. Uh, send us emails. <laughs> you always have to remind me what the email address is, but send us emails. We need good quality people, right. much, much like Eric Stevenson, to serve on boards and commissions all across the state. I'm blessed to be able to, to appoint those people, but I need good people. So keep keep the Great recommendations word. Great coming. Word. Yeah, you can find those. And uh, if you are interested in serving on a board or a commission, you can go to the OK Senate website. There's a link there that uh, just on the home page that shows you all of the latest um, boards and, and commission positions that are uh, that are available. If one interests you, send us an email here. If you have any questions for us here on the podcast, you can email us directly at ondeck at oksenate.gov. Or you can visit our webpage, the new Pro Tem webpage. It's at protem.oksenate.gov. That has articles, videos. 
videos, graphics, our, our podcast here, really just all the information that you need to know, latest info on uh, what's going on here in the state of Oklahoma. So, Senator Smalley, anything else before we sign off? No, thank you for having right me. Right on. Awesome. Appreciate well, hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've been able to learn a little bit about pensions, a little bit more about the revamped exec non process, and uh, about how OU is now going to have the next Heisman winner and <laughs> the, have the next national championship called right here by President Pro Tim Greg Treat. Guaranteed. Absolutely. There you go. Take it to the bank. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next week for another episode of On Deck. Bye.